You're listening to the preaching ministry of First Baptist Church in Newton, North Carolina. By God's grace and for His glory, we're striving to be a community of disciples who are growing in trust, growing in love, and growing disciples. We pray you'll be encouraged to deeply love and trust our Savior Jesus Christ through this ministry. We hope you enjoy the sermon. begin by showing you something that God has been showing to me, and it's probably been obvious to you, but for whatever reason it wasn't obvious to me, and it is this, that Jesus was the ultimate missionary. Jesus was a missionary. Let me just show you this. Um, I've counted, so far I've counted 34 times. I've seen this in John's Gospel. I found another one this morning. Where, where Jesus calls himself the one sent by the Father. I'm just going to give you a tiny little sampling. John 4, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. So he's a missionary. John 5, 24, Truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. John 6, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that of all he has given to me, I lose nothing, but raise it up on the last day. John 6, 44, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. And I will raise him up on the last day. John 7. So Jesus answered and said, My teaching is not mine, but him, but his who sent me. John 9. He must, we must work the works of him who sent me as long as it is day. Night is coming when no one can work. John 13. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who receives me receives him who sent me. John 17. This is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. John seventeen twenty five. O righteous Father, although the world has not known you, yet I have known you, and these have known that you sent me. Jesus is a missionary. He was sent into the world on the ultimate mission trip. But we need to notice what happens at the very end of Jesus' life. Jesus, Jesus is resurrected from the grave. He, he dies for sinners, raised up. And the resurrected Christ appears to his disciples. And listen to what he says. It says, so when it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and when the doors were shut where the disciples were for fear of the Jews... Jesus came and stood in their midst and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples then rejoiced when they saw the Lord. So Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. Now listen to this. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus was a missionary to planet earth. He came to rescue the world. He came to rescue people from the just punishment that they deserve. He came to give objects of wrath eternal life. Jesus was a missionary. Therefore, if you and I are seeking to follow Jesus, here's my question, what will we be? Missionaries. Just like Him. It's impossible for us to say, I'm following Jesus and not being a people who are on mission. Because He was on mission. He was a missionary. So, this is, this is so obvious, but I just confess to you, I've spent too much of my 45 years avoiding this calling, fearing this calling, neglecting this calling, and by God's grace, I want to see that change. For years, we as a church have feared this calling, avoided this calling, neglected this calling, and by God's grace, I want to see this change. We, we have not done what we ought to have been doing if we are missionaries in this community. 
If, if we're honest, if, if we had been hired by the North American Mission Board to reach Newton Conover, we would be fired by now. Right? But His mercies are new every morning. His mercies are new every morning. Right now, the Holy Spirit is speaking. You know why the Holy Spirit is speaking right now? Because the Holy Spirit is not done with us. He has not said, it's an unfruitful branch, I'm going to cut it off. The Holy Spirit is still working. He's still moving. I believe He's stirring His people for us to reach this community. As C.S. Lewis would say, Aslan is on the move. I want us to do this work. Here's, here's my goal. That we faithfully, joyfully, expectantly, and actually embrace this calling to be missionaries to Newton Conover. Now, I hope the Lord uses us to be missionaries to the nations. But if we're going to be faithful to the nations and be unfaithful here, we're kidding ourselves. So, so I'm, not, I'm not avoiding the nations. But one of the reasons he wants us to learn to be missionaries here is so that we can be missionaries to the nations. My goal is to give myself to this work and then to equip you to do this work. But I want to remind you, I just want to promise to you, tell you that here's what I don't plan to do. Here's how I don't plan to do it. I don't plan to turn to Matthew 28 and read the Great Commission where Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. My plan is not to say to you, Jesus says, go disciple Newton Conover and then say, now go do it. It's not my plan. Here's, here's my plan. Step by step. Step by step. Faithful step by faithful step. Fearful step by fearful step. Messing up. Changing things up. Taking another step. For us to see the Lord keep His promise. And His promise is, if you follow me, I will make you to become a fisher of men. Step by step. So today, I want us to take a small but critical and intentional step. And today, my goal is to answer three questions. The first question is this. Why should we sacrifice ourselves to make disciples in Newton Conover? If it's going to happen, it will take sacrifice. If it's going to happen, we are going to have to overcome fear. If this is going to happen, we're going to have to depend upon Him in ways we've never depended upon Him before. It's going to take sacrifice of time, sacrifice of prayer. So why? Why should I sacrifice myself to reach this community? Question number one. Question number two. How do we begin? And then third question, what's next? So first, why should we sacrifice ourselves to make disciples? And I want you to take a look at the handout that I passed out. This is the first page. Number one. Why should we sacrifice ourselves to make disciples? Here's the answer. And you can fill in those blanks. Making real disciples is our calling. And then I'll take it another step. Our destiny. What I've done is I have, I have given you the verses that I want to go over this morning. And, and I have them here for multiple reasons. One, I put them in a handout form so that you don't have to be flipping all through your Bible. 
And number two, if you didn't bring a Bible, you're not going to leave the Pew Bible here. You can take this home and refer back to it. And I encourage you, refer back to it, look at context, and see if I have taken any of this out of context. My goal has been to say, this is in context. Here's, here's where this verse is pointing us to. I want you to see that this calling for us to make disciples is, is a large part of who we are as Christians. That we are part of a huge plan that's bigger than us. That you have been called into something that is, is global. It's, it's an eternal plan that you've been called into. It's a cosmic plan. It's way bigger than anybody in this room. Bigger than First Baptist Church. It's amazing. You have been brought by God to Christ. And because you've been brought to Christ, you have been brought to Him to be a missionary. Let's start where we've been focused in the book of Genesis. Genesis chapter 12, 1 through 3. Everybody with me? Now the Lord said to Abram, Go forth from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I will make you a great nation. And I will bless you. And I will make your name great so that you shall be a blessing. And I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. In, in lots of ways, Genesis chapter 12, 1-3 is the great commission of the Old Testament. God is promising to bless Abram and the nation of Israel that he's going to build through him. And when you look at the final line of this blessing... What is God's intended goal of this blessing upon Abram and the nation of Israel? Look at this in verse 3. I will bless those who bless you, and I will curse those, and those who curse you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. Abram, I'm going to bless you, but why is it that God is blessing Abram? So that all the families of the earth would be blessed through him. From the very beginning, I want you to see that God's plan was global. And therefore, His blessing upon Israel was missional. We started here, but we really could have started back in Genesis 1. Where in Genesis 1.28, we hear very similar language. When God says to Adam and Eve, He blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. See that? God blesses Adam and Eve. Why? It was a global mission. He blesses them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the whole earth. I want to fill the earth with people who know me and people who worship me, people who look like me. God's plan from the beginning was to fill the world with happy worshipers of Him. Psalm 67. The little inscription before, um, before the psalm starts is this was for the choir director. With stringed instruments, a psalm. And then he says, a song. This is a song that he wants his people to sing. God, be gracious to us and bless us. And calls his face to shine upon us. You, you see what the prayer is? There, he, he's, he's telling us to pray that God would bless us. And if you're putting together what's happening already, you're probably already guessing why, why they are to pray for blessing. Look what it says. God be gracious to us and bless us and cause His face to shine on us that your way may be known on the earth. Your salvation among all nations. Do you see the pattern? Bless us so that we can be a blessing to all the nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy. For you will judge the peoples with uprightness and guide the nations of the earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. God, our God, blesses us. God blesses us that... Here's the reason that all the ends of the earth may fear Him. 
What's the goal in verse 7 of God blessing his people? Say it again, Jennifer. All the ends of the earth may fear him. I want you to notice something. It seems out of the blue, if we're just reading, we're talking about worship, let all the peoples praise you. And then in verse 6, out of the blue it seems, he says the earth has yielded its produce. And we need to notice, we need to notice this, this picture that God begins to paint here of, of the peoples praising him, all the nations knowing him. He likens it unto, unto a harvest, produce that is, is received from the earth. He pictures the whole world praising Him as the earth yielding its produce, the earth bearing its fruit. And we need to pay attention to that picture. And I hope that as, as, you, as you open up your Bible this week, that you'll see this over and over and over again because it's literally all over the Bible. Let me show you another place, Isaiah 5. Let me sing now for my well-beloved a song of my beloved concerning his vineyard. My well-beloved had a vineyard on a fertile hill. He dug all around it, removed its stones, and planted it with the choicest vine. And he built a tower in the middle of it, and also hewed out a wine vat in it. Then he expected it to produce good grapes, but it produced only worthless ones. Jesus quoted this passage in Matthew 21 that I preached at the candlelight service. And what we saw then is that the vineyard, this vine, this choicest vine in verse 2, is the nation of Israel. The question is, why was Israel planted by the Lord? And the answer is that we see in verse 2 is that he wanted fruit. He planted it to produce fruit. And so just to make sure you're tracking, what, what fruit specifically do you think maybe he's wanting from Israel? Think back to Genesis 12 verse 3. I'm sorry, I can't hear very well. Yeah, that's right. He wants this nation of Israel, who's received his blessing, to then be a blessing to all the nations. To spread his praise through all the earth, as we just sang this morning. He wants the whole earth to be filled with happy worshipers. It's it's exactly what Paul says in Romans 1, verse 5, where he says that his goal is to bring about the obedience of faith among all the nations, for his namesake. And, and, and later on in Romans 1, he says, that's why I came to you and preached the gospel to you, because I want to I get some fruit among you, even as from among the rest of the Gentiles. You, you tell me, according to Isaiah 5, verse 2, how did Israel do at accomplishing that mission? It failed. Which is why the promise of Isaiah 11 is so precious. Look at Isaiah 11. Then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Now, somebody remind me, who's Jesse? We're not going to go all into this, but who's Jesse? The father of David. That's right. And he says that from from Jesse, from the line of David, there's going to be a a little sprig that's going to shoot up. And who's this little shoot that we've heard over and over through the Christmas holiday of, from Isaiah 11? Who's this little shoot that's going to spring up from the line of David? Jesus. And I want you to notice that, when this, that what's going to happen, then a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse and a branch from his roots will bear fruit. What Israel didn't do, Jesus is going to do. This... This picture is a picture of a tree that has been cut down. And the only thing left is a stump. A dead stump. But out of that stump, a little shoot is going to come forth. What we're really seeing in this, to go deep here for a minute, is that Jesus really is, is taking upon himself. He is the nation of Israel. So that as the tree is cut down, and the cold dead body of Jesus is laid in a grave... Three days later, there's a little shoot that begins to sprout up. And the promise is that the resurrected Christ is going to bear fruit. That He's going to do what Israel did not do. Israel, this is why Jesus says, for example, in John, in John 15, in the passage that we like to quote all the time, Jesus says, I am the true vine. 
I am the true vine. I am the nation of Israel that is going to produce fruit. Isaiah 27. In that day, speaking of the day when Jesus reigns, a vineyard of wine, sing of it. I, the Lord, am its keeper. I water it every moment. This is why Jesus calls himself the water. So that no one will damage it. I guard it night and day. I have no wrath. Should anyone bring me briars and thorns in battle, I would step on them. I would burn them completely or let them rely on my protection. Let let him make peace with me. Let him make peace with me in those days to come. Jacob will take root. Israel will blossom and sprout. And they will fill the whole world with fruit. Now, step back. And look at Isaiah 5 and Isaiah 11 and Isaiah 27 and you just see that Jesus is this true vine where Israel failed. Jesus is going to succeed. He is going to bear fruit. He says in John 15, I am the true vine. My father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes so that it may bear even more fruit. Can you, can you see... This is, this is more than just, uh, oh, by the way, I, I want you to give part of yourself to, to winning people to Christ. This, this is our destiny. This is the Christ that we've been engrafted into. He is the fruitful vine, and His work is to produce fruit through us. Look at Isaiah 66. For I know their works and their thoughts. The time is coming to gather the nations and tongues. And the word there for gather is the word to harvest. I want you to go harvest the nations. And they shall come and see my glory. And I will set a sign among them. And I will send survivors from them to the nations. Tarshish, Put, Lud, Mishak, Rosh, Tubal, and Javan. To the distant coastlands that have never heard my fame. Nor seen my glory. And they will declare my glory among the nations. Then they shall bring all your brethren from all the nations. Look at this. As a grain offering to the Lord. On horses, in chariots, in litters, on mules, and on camels. To my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord. Just as the sons of Israel bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. See that? You see his plan? His plan in verses 19 through 20. He likens it to gathering fruit from a field that will then be offered up as an offering to the Lord. That's why Jesus says things like this in Luke 10. He was saying to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. It's why he says in John 15, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you would go and bear fruit and that your fruit would remain. This is why in Romans 15, Paul calls himself a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles, ministering as a priest the gospel of God so that my offering of the Gentiles may become acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Paul sees his life as a fulfillment of Isaiah 66. When the nations are going to be gathered... As a grain offering to the Lord. And here's, here's the thing. So should we. The resurrected Christ. Stands on a mountain and says. All authority in heaven and on earth. Has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Of all nations. Baptizing them in the name of the Father. And the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold I am with you always. Even to the end of the age. The great commission did not come out of the blue. The great commission has been God's plan all along. This is Genesis chapter 1. It's a global plan that every person who belongs to Jesus is part of. And I can't go there now, but this is, this is the way the church was designed. The church was designed with all kinds of gifts and all, all kinds of moving parts so that together we would become this fruitful vine that bears fruit for the Lord. 
So why are we to sacrifice ourselves and make real disciples? What I hope you see is that making disciples is our calling. It's more than just a command given to us. It is our destiny. This is what Jesus was sent to do. And if you are attached to Jesus, this is what you have been sent to do. Question number two. How do we begin? Let me go back to John 15. And you can look on the back of your sheet for that. John 15, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, He prunes it so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. He's, he's, we don't want to be the same thing that happened to Israel. Israel was planted well. Israel had everything that it needed to succeed, but Israel did not abide in Him. Israel was unable to produce a fruit in itself. Abide in me, Jesus says. I'm the true vine. I'm going to bear this fruit. And so he says in verse 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up. And they gather them and cast them into fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, And my words abide in you. Ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. I have to leave all this for you to consider, but just just simply to point out what I hope is obvious at this point. Look at verse 8. The Father wants fruit. He wanted fruit in Genesis 1.28. He wanted fruit in Genesis 12, 3. He wanted fruit in Isaiah 5. He wanted fruit in Isaiah 11, in Isaiah 27, Isaiah 66. He wanted fruit in, I, in Luke chapter 10. And he wants fruit now. But this is critical for us to see. What is our only hope of bearing any fruit? Abiding. Remaining. Resting. Clinging to Him. Apart from Him, we can do nothing. Impossible for us to bear fruit unless He is working. Which is why the promise of verse 7 is so precious. He says, if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. So guess where he wants us to start? On our knees. Jeff, I hope this is a softball for your new class. So let's fill in the blanks. My first step is to pray. My first step is to pray for the people who are close to me but far away from God. And I want to give you a tool, a very practical tool that someone showed me and has been helpful to me personally over, I don't know, the last couple months or so. I'm going to show you how to do this. We're going to do a little sample. What I'm begging you is for you to go home And prayerfully on your knees to ask the Lord how yours is supposed to look. We're just going to do a sample today. But I'm going to leave it for you this week to do this. So, we're going to start with a circle. In the middle of your page, just draw a circle. And in that circle, just write your name. Tommy. And and a little, little circle. Needs to be a little circle. We're going to fill up this page. So a circle about maybe that big on your page. About the size of a, of a silver dollar. And maybe you have a neighbor 
whose name is Bob. And maybe you have a coworker whose name is Pat. And maybe you have a grandson or a nephew whose name is Jack. And then you have a waitress of a restaurant where you go to regularly, and her name is Dana. So you have these people who, and you're, you're looking for people, again, who are close to you, who God has placed in your life, but they're far away from God. So you have a beginning of, of who to begin to pray for. But I want you to notice, on the, just right on the bottom left-hand side of that blank spot, I want you to write John 17, 18 through 20. Here it is. As you sent me, Jesus is praying. This is the last major recorded prayer for his disciples before he goes to the cross. And he says, as you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. For their sakes I sanctify myself that they themselves also may be sanctified in truth. And then he says this. I do not ask on behalf of these alone, but for those also who believe in me through their words. So notice what's happening here. Jesus is praying for his disciples, right? But he says, I'm not just praying for his disciples. He, I'm getting ready to send them out as missionaries in the world. And I'm praying for them, Jesus says. But I'm not just praying for them. Who else is Jesus praying for? Us. For the people that are going to believe through them. So notice what Jesus is modeling for us. Jesus is not merely praying for his immediate disciples. He's praying for the people who will believe through the disciples and the people then who will believe through those disciples. and through those. So just notice that Jesus is praying a multi-generational prayer. Can you see that? His goal is not merely to pray for the people in, who are with him, but also to pray for, for people connected to them. So see this. So here we have our prayer group, but let's just say that your neighbor Bob has a daughter whose name is Mary. Mary's far from God. Let's add her to our prayer map. And we know Bob has a good buddy named Pete who comes over on Friday nights to drink beer with Bob. This is going to remind us that I want to pray for Bob to be saved, but I already want to pray that God save Bob, and then would you use Bob to share the gospel with Mary and to share the gospel with Pete? Because I want to see Mary and Pete saved too. And maybe you know that the co-worker, your co-worker Pat's husband's name's Larry. Let's add him to the list. And your, your grandson or your nephew Jack, he's dating Carla. Let's add her. And that waitress that you've been getting to know at this restaurant, you know that her mother Becky is very sick. I want to pray for her. Pray that the Lord would use Dana in order to reach her sick mama. And then we know that Dana has a little boy named David. And we want Dana to be saved and to raise David to love Jesus. Parents, let me remind you, add your children to your prayer map. Put your children's name on here. And then the people. So like on, on, my, on my prayer list, I have on my, on my prayer map, I have my children. Then I have one of the little things off there is I, they, they are on a swim team. And so I'm, I'm praying for the members of their swim team that they see almost every day. Praying that they would come to faith in Christ. And, and just as a side note, this is also a, a good thing to put on my prayer map, even though they're not far from God by God's grace, but the people that I'm investing in personally, I have them on my prayer map to be reminded that I want to pray for them because I want to pray. Uh, for example, Jeff McClanahan is on my, is on my Oikos map. I've showed it to, to or this, my prayer map. And so I'm already praying for Jeff because Jeff has a friend named Jeff. And I'm asking God that he would work through me to encourage Jeff, that then Jeff would then win Jeff to Christ. Here's the goal. That the Lord open our eyes to see the people who are close to us, but are far away from Him, and that we begin to pray for them. And I have two goals for this. 
And I'm begging you to set two goals. You'll see them at the bottom of the, of the, of the page. I'm begging you to make a goal that you would say that by the end of this week, I am going to have spent time in prayer for who God wants me to put on this map. And I am going to have my map. Uh, uh, so here it is, the goal. I will have a reasonable prayer map. Here's, here's the thing. I cannot pray for a hundred people by name very, very regularly. Well, I could, but I know myself and I won't. But I can pray for four people, right? I, I can pray for these, for these people here. And, and then I, I, can, I can split it up and I can say, like, the, what I have now is I have an alarm on my telephone that tells me at a certain time of the day to pray for the people on my prayer map. And I have it, I have right now, I have it broken up into, into 10 minutes, to spend 10 minutes praying for the people on my prayer map. But I, I'm thinking about, I'm going to try dividing it up and saying I'm going to spend five minutes in the morning praying for the people on my prayer map and then spend five at night maybe praying for the second generation of the people on my prayer map. But I can tell you what's going to happen. After, after months of praying through the people on your prayer map, I, I've already sought to initiate conversation after conversation with the people on that map that I've been praying for. Asking God to open up doors and then saying, you know what, I have time. I'm going to stop by and see Jerry and his sister who lives with him. I'm going to send an email to that friend that I had in school. I'm praying for them. And I'm asking God to give me opportunities to share Christ with them. Here's, so then number two, the goal that I'm begging you to make is that I will begin to pray for the people on this map Every day. Ten minutes a day. Five minutes a day. If you spend one minute a day. If you pick one of the people on your map. And prayed for one of them in a day. Regardless of how big your map is. You can get through, you can get through almost that whole map. Certainly in two weeks. Even if you just spend one minute praying. For them. Here's the critical part. If we want to see. The people of Newton Conover. Joyfully, obediently, faithfully worshiping Jesus. Then we need to see the people on this map. Joyfully, obediently, faithfully worshiping Jesus. Imagine for a second. Like you take all the maps in this room. And the, and the second and the third generation of this map. Do you know how many people in a small town like Newton Conover? Do you know, I, I wonder, it would be very interesting to see what percentage of Newton Conover, even with the people in this room, that, that would be affected, prayed for on a regular basis just by the people in this, in this room. And my guess is it wouldn't take very many steps removed from anybody in this room to reach almost anybody in Newton Conover. But the thing is, is that if we want to see Newton Conover reached, let's start by saying, God, would you reach the people on this page? Would you save these people? And so I don't, I don't normally ask this, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask today. If you would say, I'm going to, this week, I am committing, I'm going to commit to prayerfully seeking to the face of God. Who do you want me to be praying for? I'm going to put them on this piece of paper. And for the next week, I'm going to pray for them every day. Would you commit to doing that? And just, and just imagine, imagine with me. He says, listen, I want you to bear fruit. My Father is glorified if you bear fruit. And therefore, you ask of me. And I'm going to give you. Imagine, imagine if the Lord would begin to answer just the prayers that we will pray for the people on this list. Now, real fast, what do we pray? Maybe a good place to start. Tommy, how in the world do you want me to pray for the people? I don't know how to pray for the people on this map. Let's just, let's just start with where we are. L look back on the other side. Let's just start with, with Psalm 67. You can just pray Psalm 67, 1 through 7. God, would you be gracious to me? 
Would you be gracious to the people of First Baptist Church? Would you bless us? Would you cause your face to shine on us? I, because I want your name to be known on the earth. I want your salvation among the nations. But Lord, I'm praying specifically that you would make yourself known to the people on this page. To Bob and to, and to, and to Becky and to, and to Carla. Whoever's on your page. Let the peoples praise you. God, I want to see the people on this page praising you. Right now, they're praising all kinds of things. I want them to be glad and to sing for joy. I want to see them worshiping Jesus. Let them praise you. Oh God, let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its produce. Would you let me see the fruit that you're going to bear even from the people I'm praying for? God, you bless us. I want you to bless me, but I want you to bless me so that the ends of the earth, so the people on this page may fear you. We can pray Isaiah 11, verse 1. Then the, a shoot will spring from the stem of Jesse. Lord, you promised that Jesus is going to bear fruit. The resurrected Christ is going to bear fruit. Would you bear fruit through me? Would you use me in these people's life? Would you be working in their life? I'm not, I'm not ready right now. I'm scared to death to share Christ with them. But would you be working in their heart the same way you're working in my heart so that when, so that when you have me ready, you're going to already have them ready. Would you bear fruit to the people? Or Luke chapter 10, and he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore beseech the Lord the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Lord, I'm looking at my, at my prayer list. I'm thinking about Dana. I'm thinking about Bob. I'm thinking about Pat. I'm thinking about Jack. Lord, I want you to send them into the harvest. I want you to send me, but I want you to save them, and I want you to use them, Lord. Use Dana to reach her mama Becky. Use Dana to reach David. Use Bob to reach Mary and Pete. Or maybe John 15, verse 16. Lord, you didn't, I did not choose you. It is very clear in my life I did not choose him. Lord, you chose me and you appointed me that I would go. And I confess to you, I am scared to death. To go Right now, I am so busy, I don't know when I would go. But you have appointed me that I would go. And so I pray, Lord, that you would work, that you would overcome my fear, that you would, you would help me to move my calendar so that I would go and that I would bear fruit and that my fruit would remain. Final question. What's next? Here's what we've done as this, this impact NC, this group of churches that have been, have been meeting together. We, we have been seeking to help all of our people so that, so that not just we start thinking about the people on our map, but let's expand it to Vertical Life and to Blackburn Baptist and to 242 Community Church and to Gateway Baptist and to Woodlawn Baptist and to, and to Calvary Baptist and, and to um, New Life. And you start thinking about, okay, now if all the people th in their congregation are begging God to bear fruit with the people on their prayer map, then all of a sudden you get to see like Newton, we're probably going to have multiple people being prayed for at the same time. So here's what we want to do is we want to help our congregations, just where we are, walk step by step, one, one piece at a time, one part at a time, together, taking steps to reach this community. And so here's, here's what's coming up next. We will publish this um, coming up. We can probably get it published this week in the bulletin. But, but the 26th of this month, from 5 to 7, Further prayer by praying for our neighbors. So what I ask all the pastors to do today or next week was to teach this prayer mapping like I've just talked to you. And then for us to come together on the 26th, we're going to be meeting here and together we're going to receive training on how to pray for our neighbors. Then in February, we are going to... How can we have impact in our community? We're going to try to train all the churches on just how to be warm and welcoming as guests come to the church. To have, so that every single member is on game, so that we have, Tony Morofsky is leading our welcome ministry, but we see that every single one of us 
is the welcome ministry. And that we learn how to welcome people whom God is bringing. It seems like a logical place for me to start because if God is already bringing these people to us, why don't we take advantage of the people God is already bringing to us? And so let's, let's, let's learn to welcome them when they come, be a family to them, get them into relationship as soon as possible, and then to hopefully get in their lives as soon as possible when they come. But just training the churches on how to be welcoming as people come. Third, in March, for us to begin to be trained on how to share Christ with our neighbors. So by this time, you've been praying for the people for two months. And my goal is, what I hope is by the end of those two months, you're like, I'm, I can't wait. I can't wait. I so want to share. I hope you're asking me beforehand, how do, I, how do I begin to break down? I've never talked to my neighbor. I just know his name. But I want him to know Christ. How can I do that? Then in May, um, in April, we have a joint, uh, a joint uh, worship service with the uh, with. Good Friday, and then in May, us, us seeing the kind of the, of, the, of the bigger, like the air war, if, we, if we're talking about ground war stuff that we're doing this morning, and then air war stuff, how can we hold effective outreach events, and how can we reach people through social media? And so we're going to begin even next week um, to begin to, to train. We're going to show you um, what we're doing with social media now, but the things that you can do with your social media accounts now to get the gospel to the people who are your friends on Facebook and Instagram and how to, how to hopefully make that happen. And then in September, us, how can we impact North Carolina by working together? What is the thing that you are interested in? What's the thing that you do? So maybe, maybe you have a real interest in, in children. Well, what if you began to say, I'm going to invest in the little kids at South Newton Elementary School. I'm going to go and read to them once a week. And I'm going to seek to be salt and light in that, in that school. Or, or maybe I have a real heart for the people in nursing homes. If we are going to reach, we've said as a church and as this group of churches that we hope that our goal is to have every single person in Newton-Conover to have at least one opportunity to respond to the gospel. Well, there's a whole lot of people who are in nursing homes that we're... That, so we're going to have to go to them. Same way with the people who are in the prison, in the, in the, in the jail here. If we're going to have to go to them. So maybe you have a heart for that. Maybe you have a heart to reach new parents and begin to teach them. Maybe you're a sports fan. Whatever the case may be. Maybe you're an outdoorsman and you're going to bring people together and we're going to, we're going to go shoot deer and I'm going to share Christ with the people I'm, I'm shooting deer with. Great. Um, one, one of the pastors was a, is a funeral director, and he says, I believe that funeral directors are some of the most unreached people in our community. They're so hardened to the gospel because they hear it over and over and over again, and they have to deal with death so much, they just harden their heart to it. And he said, I really want to try to share the gospel with the funeral directors here. Whatever. But for us to work together, say, how has God made me and how can God use me in order to reach the people of Newton, North Carolina? So now let me stop here and let me ask for questions um, or, or clarification or anything maybe you want to ask about this. I'm tempted to wait until somebody asks a question. We're good? April is a joint service for Good Friday. We have Easter. Let me pray for us. And to pray for us, I'm going to pray John 17. Excuse me, the end of, of, uh, of John 20 for us. Father in heaven, the resurrected Christ appeared to his disciples and he placed upon them, he spoke over them the blessing of peace. 
commissioned them to go. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. I hear that and I know that those words are spoken to me and the believers in this room as clearly as they were spoken to the disciples. I am thankful that you've not left us alone, but you have given us your Holy Spirit. Not the spirit of fear that would shrink back, but the spirit of love and of discipline. Father, I pray that you would empower us. First, that you would lead us. You would lead us to have the, the people that you want us praying for on our prayer map. And then I pray that your Holy Spirit would empower us to pray for the people on that map. And Lord, I pray that the, that the effective prayer of a righteous man would accomplish much. Lord, I pray that hard hearts would be changed, that you would be working, you would use our prayers in the lives of the people on our map, and that you would break up hard soil. Lord, I pray that you would make us bold to put people on that list that right now we say there is no way possible for them to come to faith in Christ. And Lord, I pray that you would show the power of the gospel to save. Lord, I pray that you would, you would pour out your spirit and that we would get to see you bear fruit. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to the First Baptist Newton Podcast. If you want to learn more, check out our website at newtonfbc.org. We'll see you next time.